0: Again, good morning. It's good to see you. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 19, Matthew, chapter 19. Uh, This fall semester, we've been looking together at the difference between being fans and followers. We've been wrestling together with the reality that Jesus never asks for fans. Jesus isn't interested in in enthusiastic admirers. Jesus doesn't want people who will sit passively in the stands cheering but refuse to actually get up and get in the game. Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. Jesus isn't interested in in just one part of your life. As, As President Favara reminded us, he wants the whole thing, the extreme home makeover. Now, before we really jump into things this morning. I want to start <laughs> with a bit of a confession. I have a mild addiction to stand-up comedy. Like I'm mild. Like I, te- I tend I tend to view what I do like during the times when I deliver a talk or a message or a sermon, whatever you call it, I I think, I think that there are similarities that there are things to be studied from people who are professionals in being able to get in front of a room full of people and engage them. Like, I am enthralled with, uh, with the series Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee uh, with Jerry Seinfeld. Somebody watch that. It is on the Netflix. No one. You should totally do that for some homework. I think, I think Bo Burnham is a genius. Like, I think the dude is brilliant. I think Gary Owens is fantastic. Has anybody listened to any of Gary Owens stuff? He has an old bit. I promise, go YouTube this, you'll thank me. He has like an old bit on the difference in churches between going to a, like a predominantly white church and going to a predominantly black church and how those services are different. It's so good. It's so funny. In fact, tomorrow, tomorrow night, my son and I have tickets to see Nate Bergazzi in, uh, in Wichita, and we are so stoked. We're so excited. Actually, I bought the tickets for my wife and I to go on a date, and she's like, that sounds like it sucks. You can take Isaac instead, uh, and so I will. But in all of this, one of my absolutely favorite stand-up comedians is Jim Gaffigan because we look similar, uh, and, and I think what I love the most about him is that when I listen to it, I find it relatable because we're the same um, he has a whole bit where he talks about growing older. In college students, you'll learn this because when you get older, um, you begin to not have hair where you once had hair. Um, and as you get older, your metabolism slows down and you get bigger. And there's this he does this whole thing where he talks about the moment where you realize you have to quit buying extra large shirts and start buying two x like that that's like a moment and you you realize oh actually I feel more comfortable and he talks about like there are even times where like you'll still buy an extra large shirt and put it in your closet and that'll be like your goal like I'm gonna someday fit into that shirt that I but you never do and it just stays in your like he's in the middle of this and I'm like I feel seen like like he's got he's got a camera in my own closet I want you to take a watch. I want you to watch what he says about the wonder that is McDonald's. Take a look at this. We know McDonald's is bad for us. Like we we can like every so often you'll see like an article or something where they're like, we don't even know if that's real meat. And we're all like, that's disgusting. Yeah, I'll take a Big Mac fry. Like we we know it's bad for us. And I bring this up because Jim Gaffigan in his stand-up bit, he brings a truth to the surface That we're going to look at this morning as it relates to our relationship with Jesus. And that truth is this. There's a difference between knowing and caring. There's a difference between knowing and caring. Matthew chapter 19 starting in verse 16. says, now a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So Jesus has this encounter with this rich young man. And this dude in this community, this guy was probably really well known. There weren't a lot of rich people in Jesus' world, especially Jewish people. They were under occupation by this giant army there weren't a lot of rich people and so this rich young man he would have probably been like a local celebrity people would have known this guy and so jesus has been traveling he's been doing that thing he does he's been healing people (coughs) he's been fixing things and this young man asks him he says jesus what what do i have to do to get eternal life now Understand that this man is not asking. He is not asking Jesus what happens when I die. He's not asking Jesus how do I get to heaven. What he's asking is how can I be a part of what God is doing right here right now. The belief was that God was setting up this kingdom right here in the midst of the world as it currently is. That God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven was going to bring all of creation to this new world way of being and so this young man is asking jesus how can i be a part of that jesus and so there's this conversation and jesus tells him he says if you want to experience this kind of life that you need to obey the commandments but the young man wants him to be specific and so he's like yeah yeah but 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 like which commandments which ones jesus and so jesus starts listing some of the top 10 the 10 commandments Don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your mom and dad. Oh yeah, and love your neighbor. And so the young man responds with, yep, check, I do all of these, what else? Which, really, do you? And so Jesus says, if you really want to experience the best kind of life, this eternal life, he says, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor. Now, this thing that Jesus says to this young man, when we read it, we kind of, we kind of interpret it as like a mic drop moment. But for this young man, I don't think it would have been. You see, he's a Jewish person. He's a Jewish person who clearly knows the scriptures. He says, I've already kept these commandments. So he knows the scriptures. Like by the time he was 12 years old, he would have had the first 12 books of the Bible memorized. By the time he was 15, he would have had the entire Old Testament memorized. And, and caring for the poor, time and time again, God tells his people that this is his heart. Like in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time, or pick up the grapes that have fallen, leave them for the poor and the foreigner." I am the Lord your God. Or Deuteronomy. It says when you beat the olives from your tree, because we all know what that's like, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. So essentially remember that there was a time when you had nothing, and I brought you out of that. This is why I command you to do this. Or the actual reason that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed had nothing to do with sometimes what we say it does. But we learn in the book of Ezekiel that the reason that Sodom was destroyed is this. Now, this was the sin of your sister, this was the sin of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. God's heart has always been for the poor. And this rich young man would have known this. And so when Jesus calls him on the reality that he's stockpiling wealth when those around him are in need, and Jesus says, if you really want to experience this eternal kind of life, you're going to have to let go of the stuff that you're holding on to. This young man goes away sad. He, He can't do it. He knows the truth couldn't act on it. Again, there's a difference between knowing and caring. Are you with me? Are we we tracking? If you stub your Bible open, flip over a few uh, chapters to the right to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to start in verse 31. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, so he's talking about himself, or in prison and go to visit you, the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So in this passage, Jesus paints this picture. He talks about when he returns, that someday Jesus will come back. That he's going to return, and that he's going to establish new creation, his new kingdom, it will be completely different. Heaven and earth will collide. There'll be this new kinds of heavens, new kind of earth right here, and it says that he's going to divide everyone into two groups. Sheep and goats. There will come a day when everyone in this room Everyone here, there will come a day when everyone in this room will be split into two groups. The sheep, those who take Jesus seriously, the followers, those who understand that their job is to join God in the restoring of creation, people who feed the hungry, people who take care of the stranger, also known as the alien or can be translated immigrant, people who clothe the naked, people who care for the sick, People who visit the prisoner sheep. And this other group, goats, fans. Those who live life for themselves. Fans. Those those who believe that. Look, all I got to. I prayed that prayer that one time, or that one time I asked Jesus into my heart. Or listen, I know the Bible really, really well. Or like I pray a lot. Like I. I believe in, G- I, look, listen, I don't attend that church over there. They don't know what they're, t- I attend this one. Like I, I've given Jesus, like, some of my life. Jesus says, look, those are goats. Those are goats. And that someday for these people, Jesus straight up tells them, what you're going to experience is eternal torment. So, torment that's eternal. And what... Guys, what gets me every time I read this passage, what I'm struck by, what I'm convicted by personally, what I, what gets me every time is that there are people who will hear this passage or read this passage, and their response is, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I don't believe it. It's not true. Jesus is essentially warning saying, look, there's going to come a day when everyone in this room is going to be separated into two groups, and for some of us, it's not looking too good. Jesus says, look, for some of you, if you don't make some changes, if you don't leave the fan camp and move into the follower camp, the punishment, in Jesus' own words, is depart from me into eternal fire. And what's crazy is that some of us know this, we know it, and yet we still choose a life that is not following Jesus. Because again, as I said at the start, there's a difference between knowing and caring. For some of you in here, this isn't new. Like, like there are moments as a pastor where I'm like, my job is to get up and preach the same sermon every time. Trust Jesus, trust Jesus. Like this isn't, this isn't new. The things that I'm saying, you heard them Before. For President Farfar, Far, try that again. I hope he's not in here. For President Lenny to stand up in here and use the clever analogy of trading spaces and extreme home makeover. That look, it's just clever, but it's not new. The, the reality is, is that for, for a lot of us cognitively, we know. We know what Jesus calls us to the invitation he has for us, the reality of what it means to follow him, we know. But truthfully, we just don't care. Because to care, to care would mean that I have to give up control, that I'd have to submit to God's will for my life. And at the end of the day, God I just think I can do it better than you do. We know, we just don't care. And and what's interesting is that there's like a reverse side to this, too this knowing and caring. That there are those of you on campus, there are those of us, I'll put myself in this, who we are followers of Jesus. We're followers, we've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we're Christians. And we know that as Christians, the primary call is to read the Bible all the time. No. The primary call when Jesus is asked, like, what's what's the heart? What's the heart of this? Jesus says, oh, that's easy. It's to love God and love other people. We We know that the primary call is to love God and love others. That's it. Jesus boils it down to that. Paul, and the book of Romans, boils it down to love being the fulfillment of the law. There are those of us that we know this. We, We know that Jesus' final marching orders before he leaves, his final marching orders were to go, to make more disciples, to make more Jesus followers. We know it. And yet, we live and we move. And we walk around a campus where a significant number of people who are in this room are living lives where they're not even fans. Like, not even fans should be our theme. Not even, like, I I haven't even hit the fan level. I just don't care. We know it. We're living lives apart from Jesus, and we know it. But again, there's a difference. There's a difference between knowing and caring. And before you think I'm coming down hard on... The Christians, I, again, I need you to know that I'm putting myself in that category. I'm convicted. I'm convicted by my own actions or my own lack of them at times. I'm preaching these words to me, too, this morning. And so as we, as we prepare for a time of response, as we close this morning, like we've tried to do every chapel, I want to give you some time and space to respond to what God may be speaking to you. This area down front is open. If you want to come and pray, if you want to be come and prayed for, I'm going to invite the bands to to come back up. And here's what's what's tricky. I had a way that I was going to end this sermon. And I woke up at 1 o'clock this morning. I couldn't get back to sleep. I was like, no, 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 that's not it. Like, I want, I want you to tell that story. You know the one. And what's cr- if you know me, you know that that's not how I roll. Like, I, I don't do well with, it might look that I do well speaking off the cuff, but I don't, I'm terrible. Like, I need notes. And so for God to be like, tell that story. I don't like this story because it doesn't end well. It, I, I can't tie it in a happy bow, but maybe that's the point. When I was a student at Central, my sophomore year, I lived in Parsons Hall. Um, back then the toilets didn't overflow, I'm just saying. Uh, I lived in Parsons and uh, I lived next door uh, to a total tool. Um, that's saying it nicely, like he was a jerk. Um, and he, uh, I, d- well I just tried to avoid him, Like like he was, I don't know why he was a central. He clearly wanted nothing to do with anything central stood for. And, and he, he was a jerk. And some of you might have heard this story before, but just hang on. And so I remember that we lived on this wing in Parsons together. And there was some stuff that had happened on campus. that is a longer story, and I can tell you that sometime as well. But what the end of it is that we found ourselves in this room, At like midnight, on like a Thursday night, this room was filled with the majority of the campus. And some powerful things had happened on campus. God was moving in some spectacular ways, and we were all in here. And I was sitting right there. And I'm sitting right there, and people are actually filing in from the back. We had all been at the back of the building. So we're all coming in from that back door, and everyone's just sort of taking seats. And I was sitting right there. And so I'm kind of, I can see the people that are walking in and down here. And I see this guy who lived next door to me who was a tool. He and his roommate walk in. And at first, I'm like, why are you even here, bro? Like, you don't believe any of this stuff so I, I kind of watched, and he, he walked past me, so he was just sort of sitting somewhere back there. And so we're having this time of worship, and it's one of the only times in my life where I will ever claim that I heard an audible voice from the Spirit. And I'm sitting right there, and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, Zach, you need to go back lay hands on Weston and pray for him so then this internal conversation with me and the Holy Spirit happened where I was like "Eh, no where I was like no God because you see what'll happen is he'll punch me and that won't be fun and and so there's this argument back and forth I'm like no I'm not going to do that no I don't like no 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 I'm not going to do it. But, guys, i got to tell you that everything that I had experienced leading up to that moment that evening, there was sort of this part of me that was like, okay, I've experienced that, like, all of this, this, <laughs> where's Mitchell at? That this stuff is real. Like, I've experienced that, like, okay, I'm going to listen. So I got up, and I'm just like, the whole time, I'm like, God, I don't know what to pray. And God's just like, just pray, just pray. Pray over him and make sure he knows that I love him. Make sure that he knows that I'm in his life. And so I remember walking down this aisle like this going, this is going to be a disaster. I'm just going to pray really quick and then I'm going to run away because I guarantee you that he's going to hit me. And he was about here. And so I went up behind him because I was like, if I'm behind him, I can he can't hit me. <clears throat> I went up behind him. I put my hands on him and I said, Weston. God wants me to pray for you. And he wants you to know that you're loved and that he's here. And so I prayed the cheapest, most generic, quickest prayer ever. I was like, dear God, I pray that Weston would know that you love him and that you're real and that you're here for him. In Jesus' name, amen. And then I left and went back to sit on my seat. Here's what I didn't know. I didn't know that that whole year while Weston was living next door to me, he was watching. He was... He was observing these chapel services. He was observing these moments where people were having these experiences with Jesus. And as he was sitting in that row back there, he, for the first time ever, kind of prayed a silent prayer to himself, and he said, God, if you're real, give me a sign. And the second he said the word sign, my hands were on his shoulders, and I said, Wesson, I just want you to know that God loves you. And I prayed for him. Fun to listen to Weston tell that story um, because he will be like, Yeah, the dorky guy that lived next door prayed for me. Like, it, it's not, it doesn't make me look as good when he tells it. Um, here's where that story kind of sucks. Weston had this amazing life change moment that happened here. But then he left this place and completely walked away from. Like, I'd love to tell that story and be like, and God wins. But like, the, the end of the story is you got this, like, even, like, I talked to him a couple months ago. I texted him about something. Oh, I was like, hey, you should totally listen to this thing. And he was like, dude, my days of listening to sermons, those are long gone. Here's, here's the thing, guys. Weston and I both had the same experience in this room. We had the same experience. We had this crazy experience that you, you can't explain that away. The fact that the moment that Weston is like, God, if you're real, give me a sign. At that exact moment, at that exact moment, I'm putting my hands on his shoulders and saying, Weston, God wants you to know that he loves you and that he's real. What? Like, you can't explain that away. Here's We both had the same experience. end of the day there's a difference between knowing and caring so I'm going to invite you to stand We're going to sing a song together again this space is open if you want to pray if you want to respond whatever that looks like so God I pray that you would speak. I pray that for those of us that know that you would convict us in the depths of our heart what it looks like to care. That God you tell us in your word that The fruits of the Spirit in our life are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And God, if those things aren't present in our life, then maybe your Spirit's not. So we know, but do we care? So God, I pray that you would speak during this time. pray this in Jesus' name.